Welcome to episode two of Shifty Perspective. In this episode, we speak to VR game designer, artist, and scientist, Ben Outram. I would like to apologize for the low audio quality as we did have some mic issues which have now been sorted for future episodes. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Uh, I'd like to just first of all quickly thank everyone who tuned in last week and gave amazing feedback. It's really, really great. And hope to see you all uh, commenting and asking questions this week. We'll try and answer as many as we can. Uh, but I'll start off now by uh, introducing our guest today. He is a very, very interesting man. He is a virtual reality game designer, an artist, a scientist. He's got a lot of uh, titles and, and things under his name. Uh, his name is Ben Outram. Uh, hey, Ben, how you doing? Hey, Ash, how's it going? Yeah, I'm doing very well. Sweet. How, uh, whereabouts are you at the moment? Are you in the UK? Yeah, I'm uh, in the UK. Um, I've run away from London and I've gone back to my parents' place. My parents aren't here, but my cat and some of my, my sister and brother-in-law and my girlfriend are here. So we've got quite a crew, a bit of a group. It's quite nice. Yeah. Are you guys allowed to like interact? You've got to keep some uh, big distance or I guess your family. So uh, Yeah, we're sort of one household. So I think it's really important for me, for my mental health to have like people around I can't imagine all those people out there that are just you know having to be on their own in their rooms or house it's like sounds like a nightmare so I'm really happy to be around family we don't always get on but <laughs> yeah it beats it definitely beats being stuck in complete isolation I think yeah what's your situation are you you're with someone um, I'm with my girlfriend and um, we have we're in our house in the Netherlands. So it's not as strict here, to be honest, as in the UK. We've got, um, what do they call it, intelligent lockdown, I think they call it. Um, so there's social distancing. We can have friends over, but only three guests in the house at a time. You've got to keep one and a half metres away from each other. Um, people are going out and doing things. It's, it's quite yeah. free. <laughs> I mean, we've been told not to even stroke cats in the neighbourhood. Really? Yeah, because apparently people have been stroking cats and then the next person comes along and strokes the cat. And then it's a secret silent killer, the cat, apparently. So my cat's just, my cat's right here. So right next to me. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, there we go. (laughs) She's black, so not very photogenic, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. I would would go get Odin in my dog, but... um... I wouldn't want to cause a bit of a ruckus on the podcast with uh, the whole dog skipping off. But yeah, well, I'm, yeah, she might walk all over the keyboard or something, but it's all right. Uh, so I guess we should probably start off for uh, anyone who <laughs> doesn't know who you are. Um, do you want to say a bit about yourself, what you do? Um, obviously, I've, I've announced that you are a VR designer. Um, could you entail what that what that is and what you work with? Yeah, so, well, uh, yeah, I mean, now I, I do a lot of work um, in computer vision to to make money, but, um, so that's my kind of real job, um, but I, I also do some VR production and VR games, VR experiences. Um, my background's actually in, in physics originally, um, and then once I finished that, um, I sort of moved into uh, media technology 
including so that includes like virtual reality, augmented reality, eye tracking, motion tracking, and also things like you know funky in computer human interfaces using your brain waves and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, so that's how I got into virtual reality. Yeah, what's that, that? that controlling it with your brain waves? Well, yeah, certainly some people have been trying have tried to do that. Yeah. But uh, I didn't actually didn't think controlling your brainwaves, but we were interested in looking at how certain types of virtual reality experience can alter your brainwaves or like, you know, change what you're experiencing. If there's like an objective correlate in the brain, it shifts like what's your the topic shifting perspectives, right? So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, a virtual reality is quite a big shift in in well maybe not well it has the power to change your perspective i reckon so yeah how, how did you find how, how did the results of that go uh, did you notice natural change in um, yeah, people's brains and um, have there been many studies with that um well you know we weren't very professional about it and we had some like eeg machine but i don't I'm a bit skeptical as to whether the <laughs> it actually works. So we didn't actually get any sort of definitive results on that. But um, but yeah, no, I, I had the the fortune to work at a media lab in Keio University in Tokyo um, called Keio Media Design, and um, it's got a really famous guy there. Actually, a guy called um, Mizuguchi. Uh, Tetsuya Mizuguchi. He was the director of um, and producer of a game called Res um, and Child of Eden and Luminous and um, Space Channel 5 and like a load of, they're really trippy games um, that I've been a massive fan of all my life. And then I ended up going to Japan and going to this place. And then he was there. I was really pleased about that. Um, and so I was quite inspired by a lot of the work he does. He's sort of into something called synesthesia and okay. trying to replicate that in in VR. So, like exactly. so, so synesthesia is this thing that about 3% of, I think 3% of the population have. Maybe you have it, I don't know. There's a one in 20 chance or something. <laughs> um, but, uh, essentially, it's where you you hear you hear like when you see something you hear a sound, or when you hear sound you see colours or lights, or you associate very strongly numbers or dates with colours. So it's kind of like this mixing of the senses. Um, and for most of us, we don't really have this unless I don't know. Maybe if you've been uh, taking some psychedelic drugs or something like that and then you listen to music and close your eyes and you can it all becomes alive doesn't it but that's like visualizing literally the, the visualization of sound is, is, is an image exactly people, people have that not like normally is this, a, is this some, an everyday occurrence some people have it so normally that they don't even realize that other people don't have it and then like you know then they hear about it and they're like oh yeah i've got that and then so maybe some people listening will but, but anyway, so the idea is that like this, I mean, it's it's also like there's this sense of flow and rhythm getting into like the beat. And you, when you hit really into a beat, you don't just hear the sound. You you hear it sort of like semantically going through you somehow as like a, as a multi-sensory experience. And that's the thing that this guy, Tetsuya Mizuguchi, likes to capture with his games. 
so you can see that in like rares and stuff and that really that pushed me to do a lot of stuff with um sound visualization um so sound visualization in uh, on like like the iphone and on like the handheld devices but then also um in virtual reality so most of all, all of my work in vr almost all of it is to do with like creating um sound visualization in vr i guess oh, yeah. is this like wearing uh, is it an oculus headset um and you would see would you have music playing and you would see sound yeah and I'm, I'm doing this but some waves around but yeah yeah i mean yeah, I got. I've, I've prepared a video or two. Do you want me to share? Can I share a screen? Is that yeah, that'd be great. That'd be Let's see if I can. Will that go out to people? Let's have a look. Um, so yeah, can you see now? Um, yeah, we. I can see this, and I believe that everybody else should be able to see this. Um, let me just get my phone out, and <laughs> 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 I'm getting comments saying we can't see. <laughs> so. Yeah, you might not be able to hear the sound, but I guess it doesn't matter too much. But um, the so uh, I did one piece called Crystal Vibes in collaboration with um, Tetsu Mizuguchi and some of the people at K University. They had been building this full body haptic vibration suit that had like 26 vibrators all over the body so it had like up and down your legs and like on your arms and um they tried on your head but it was really unnerving having vibration on your on your head um but yeah and then i was tasked with creating the vr content to go with the suit to like illustrate how you can use the vibration um, and because we we're a research lab, we were interested in some research questions like how can vibration be used? Can it be used to listen to music? Can it be used to represent like symbolic things like, you know, like you get your vibration in your phone when you get a text message. That's like a symbolic representation, uh, haptic representation of of getting a message. Um, so like that, can it be used like that or can it be used um, as a sense of touch, like literal touch in the VR environment? So. And because I was interested in mixing that with sound visualization as well, um, I was interested in whether you could have the sound come at you, like visually overflow over you, and then but also feel it through the vibration touching you or, yeah. or whatever. So that was that, that one. Looks crazy. <laughs> I, can I just ask one? There's there's bits where the uh, balls are being like batted away. Um, yeah, yeah. Is that something like? Is that the kind of thing you could interact with? Um. Yeah, so you can sort of reach out and tap, hit the balls, and they'll sort of move around. Um, yeah, so there's quite a lot going. In. I'm not going to go into the technical detail, but you can read about it, and it's published on Steam, so you can download it. I think it costs like seventy p or something, ninety a euro or something like that. So you can have a go yourself. Um, obviously, not with the haptic vibration suit. Uh, but yeah, and then I was also real fortunate enough to work with um, a sort of psychedelic dub producer called Ott. Some people know him as OTT. I think he's pronounced Ott. Um, who I just sort of like was this sort of small guy and just emailed him and was like, oh, I'm doing this thing for Sundance Film Festival. Would you like to um, contribute music? I'm sorry, I don't have any money. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. So that was really nice. Um, 
you got to actually show that at Sundance, uh, Sundance Film Festival. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, that was really good. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, that's it's quite uh, very tricky. <laughs> that's for sure. Was um, that so? That stuff was um, that the Crystal Vise one that was with this your hero guy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, sort of. I mean, he he was technically yeah. I mean, he they, he was responsible for the haptic vibration suit, and uh, we also w went with Res Infinite on the PlayStation Four, I think. Um, also to Sundance, so we were exhibiting both Crystal Vibes and uh, and Res. So Res is quite an interesting game. I think they won quite a few awards for best VR game when that came out. Um, yeah. I mean, that, I was there for um, four years in total. That's last uh, last week on the podcast, we Japan came up, I think, a couple of times in conversation about the crazy, well, the crazy world of Japan, I guess, crazy uh, country and how they are. It's just another level of the, the integration of technology and stuff. And, how did you find it there? Um, yeah, I mean, have you been to Japan? Yes. Yeah, I went two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love Japan. I think it's like a wonderful place. It's a great place to go on holiday. It's a great place to travel. It's a great place to live. The food's awesome. It's good value. Um, and yeah, I mean, talking about changing perspectives, I think it's just such a different society to us and um the way they talk and the way they think is it's just so different that it's um it's really interesting to get a different perspective on your own culture i guess you get that with going to any cult any other country and other yeah, culture but like especially most you know, most european countries there's you can really it's a different country but there's a lot of connections and it's really yeah, very easy to communicate even with different languages um, but I think Japan, in particular, my experience was just something, another world, really. Like, e even going to, you know, African countries, I've been to Morocco, and you can still have, uh, yeah, I know, it's, there's still essences of Europeanism, you know, I'm not sure what the right, uh, what the right term for that is, but mm. Japan is just, yeah. World, really. Yeah, it's interesting, because, like, they've come from a completely different cultural history cultural background lineage and um but at the same time they're like extremely technologically um modern and advanced even more advanced than than the uk and the europe i would say um and so and they're very forward thinking in many ways in some ways um when it comes to technology they're they're not afraid to do really crazy ideas like doing human augmentation or um, like there was one team in K Media Design where I was working doing superhuman sports. So they're like interested in using technology and robotics and VR and stuff to create new or augment existing sports and make sort of extreme versions of them. So that's quite interesting. And then, yeah. Like, would they, is this like, um... Uh, what's it called? like biohacking, like check, is this with, with people as well? Like, um, or, or 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I, I feel like I've read stuff about that in Japan, but like one of the stuff they were doing in my lab, um, for example, was taking robotic arms and then giving you extra arms, a bit like, I don't know, that bad guy in Spider-Man or something, or like a robotic tail, which can help you to, well, ostensibly help you to balance and as a third arm or something, but uh, yeah. I mean, Ash, you're you're quite interested in um, in sort of I don't know, like transhumanism and stuff, aren't you? Very yeah, much. Fascinating. Uh, yeah, I, I think the idea of um, I just read Homo Deus actually. Oh yeah, it's a great book. Fantastic book. Yeah, the, uh, the idea of where we are going to be in hundred years or thousand years is absolutely crazy, and I guess the integration of technology. Um, especially like listening to someone like you know, Elon Musk, who's been uh, uh, screaming against AI and warning us about about that kind of thing, and saying what we need to do is we need to essentially become cyborgs um, to beat AI. Uh, are you uh, gonna? Are you lining up? You're the first one to get the cyborg implant, or maybe the second um, one. I, I like the idea of the monkey tail that you just said about. I mean, monkey tail multiple arms, you know, it sounds quite crazy. Like, in the lab you're working on, um, are these things that they just, is it like you wear it, or is this, people could have this fused with them? Um, well, at the moment, it's kind of like hacked together by students, and it's very, uh, like, you know, it kind of works, but they want to connect it to your brain, but at the moment it just uses a joystick kind of thing. But, you know, the vision's there, the idea's there, so... Um, I mean, personally, I think that if transhumanism brings us anything, Tails is probably not the, the top of my list, I think, in terms of like what I'm hoping. Um, I mean, I really love that book, Homo Deus, that you bring up. And I think that uh, Yuval Harari thinks in a very interesting way. I mean, my favorite point about that, that last, I think it's the last sentence of the book where he says like, um, what we really should be asking because technology is going to be able to bring us anything we desire, anything we want. And the question is, um, and, and that includes like, you know, brain implants to make us hyper intelligent, hyper powerful, hyper capable of emotions and whatever, you know, but then the, the meaning of life really becomes an important question. Like what do you want to want is his part, final point because I mean, we can pontificate on the meaning of life, but we can't like uh, now, but it's it's not like we can do much about it. You know, we've got to get a day job. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We might do a bit of art. We might succeed. We might not. But then and then we die, you know, whereas in the future, you can imagine beings that don't die, that have loads of intelligence. They can do so much more stuff. And so, you know, the boundaries are much further away. So like we might say, oh, the meaning of life right now is to like, I don't know, love my children and my family and be happy. But like, that's because those are pretty much the only options <laughs> available to us, really. Whereas like in the future, it's going to be, there's going to be a billion options of extreme power and consequence. And so suddenly the meaning of life actually is a bit more important. Quite dangerous and pretty scary, really. Do, do you think it's scary? I, yeah, I think, I think we've got to tread carefully. It's exciting. It's also terrifying because, like you said, there's great power and 
with so many options. Um, yeah, I mean, I just can't, I think that we, what we see as our meanings of life now, meanings of our life now, will change to, I, I think they're not even going to be concepts, you know, like maybe a job isn't going to be a concept, you know, as we, as we change, like right now we have a That doesn't sound scary, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, just floating around in the ether um, with your tail and your super enhanced brain? <laughs> I, I feel like things like, I don't know, like what well, jobs will become pointless and then like even now during this lockdown and everything, I mean, some people are still working, um, some people don't aren't working and and I think very similar to historical times when there's been lockdowns, you see like these poems, that have, there was a poem going around that was written in like some previous plague that that happened and it was talking about how everyone had time to not work and then sort of get back in touch with themselves or with their family or with their boredom or with their spirituality or like with their creativity and um you know apart from work and so i think this is helping us to realize that you don't need a job to be happy and um in in its place can come stuff that really is more important for being human, like community and spirituality, whatever guys that might form, and creativity and sports, competitiveness, games like Settlers of Catan. I've been playing one called uh, Viticulture in my family recently. It has you like play the, you actually sort of, you role play being a, a wine farmer and it's really fun. <laughs> so, you know, all that sort of thing. Uh, is, is this um, you're starting to, because of uh, the situation that we're in now, people are starting to you know, spend more time playing games and stuff like that. Is, this, yeah, is that what you're doing now? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, when I look at someone like you, Ash, though, you know, and like you, you get so much excitement from actually like, you know, your different businesses and everything you're doing and like doing a podcast and, um, so I guess if there was no work, you, you'd probably be pretty gutted, wouldn't you? Maybe. I don't feel that it's a burden. I feel quite fulfilled with what I do. But I guess, you know, if, if there was no need for work, um, and I think all of my, I assume if we're thinking like, you know, the, the Marxist needs are met and, and I just have, um, yeah, everything that I need, then I would use that and I would write more music do more podcasts um, and do lots of jujitsu and kickboxing, that kind of thing. So I think I would, I've been surfing and yeah, I'd be pretty happy. Um, it's just right now, this fits my, uh, my narrative. Yeah, yeah. But I also guess that, you know, as soon as we have AI taking over and doing all our jobs for us, it'll also be like, I don't know if you you know you're a fan of ray kurzweil or whatever but there'll be the, this big acceleration of returns and then we won't even be um human anymore really we'll be like somehow our brains will be some conjoined consciousness that's hyper capable of extreme sort of imagination and all this kind of thing so probably if we think about work when we're in that state in the future if we get there, then, you know, it, it'll be so insignificant a thought 
this to be just, you know, some like dust. I don't know. <laughs> oh, is this like the kind of general consensus amongst the scientific VR community, like the other people that you work with? Is everybody uh, accepting the fact, or I say the fact, or accepting that we that they believe we will essentially just become a big neural network and um, yeah things are going to change drastically or that people uh, who are strongly against it do it in, in the field you work um, I can't really speak for every scientist or VR developer but um, I think there is I think for me I'm really excited about the future of technology and um, I think most people in technology are I'm not sure everyone believes in that the singularity is near kind of thing maybe it's a bit far off but I guess whether it is or whether it's not um, it still poses really interesting questions about about what it means to be human and and and, and um, also it's interesting to as an inspiration to guide like your work and stuff you know into the future like doing VR um, there's so many different reasons that people are coming up to do VR and I think that well so far a lot of them have been not very good reasons um, but I think that as soon as you combine VR and that's kind of ideas about the future and where we're going and connectedness and shifting perspectives and alternate realities and new imaginations and infinite creativity and what, what AI can do for, our, for us and how we can interact with AI. Um, you know, VR is a really cool place to start doing some of those experiments and start playing around with some of those things. So, you know, doing multi-sensory VR experiences with um, sound visualization or creating uh, virtual avatars which use AI to talk to you and you know like those things are going to become very possible over the next five ten years or whatever so as an artist working in VR it's very exciting to be working in that particular area because all these technologies starting to converge and you've got you know imagine having a VR AI um, teacher that can just, you know, teach like you uh, spiritual truths or something, be your like personal guru or your personal therapist or your or whatever, or like my sister's trying to teach her kids at the moment because she's locked at home and that's an absolute nightmare. She's tearing her hair out because she's not a teacher. Um, but imagine you could just um, actually, you know, this people might get scared of this, but you could just stick your kids in VR and have like a teacher that's perfect for them that understands their level and teaches them maths and English and everything, just like in the most perfect attuned way. And you can just, you know, you can go in, dip in and out, and join them, or they can like all sorts of exciting stuff. Is that, I mean, that eventually inevitably means we would not need human teachers. So, do you think? Yeah, exactly. Because we're already at the point right where um, lots of you know, manufacturing jobs are going to machine. And, um, I'm not sure if you, you follow Andrew Yang. Um, no, no. He's uh, one of the presidential candidates in America, Democratic candidate. 
Um, oh, right. Extremely successful um, businessman, um, but really, really interesting guy. Um, he is basically his main platform that he is standing for is universal basic income. And he says that it is inevitable in the next five or 10 years that most manufacturing jobs and soon to be driving jobs as well, like lorry truck drivers with automated vehicles will no longer be needed. And in the States, you know, that's like 40%, a huge percentage of the workforce. So he is saying that there needs to be a universal basic income of um, you know, everybody gets a thousand dollars a month. Um, and that's everyone, whether you're a billionaire or whether you're, you know, uh, you would have been a lorry driver. Um, and he, he's actually got, he's calculated it, you know, he's had economists calculate it. You know, it's not very difficult to fund. And in fact, um, the way that he's put it forward, they would actually have a lot of extra money um, from how they're, where they're taking money from and putting money in and stuff. Uh, can you see that um, VR and AI would speed this up? To, um, and eventually we would lose like most jobs yeah well i think uh, i mean I, I i'm not very good at politics or so I, I tend to stay away from from politics i mean you know I, I i love the idea of a universal basic income and i hate the idea of of politicians and, and humans um who have their own like petty interests and stuff so you know if the sums add up then oh that sounds great Let, let's do it um i'm always a, a bit of a fan and i don't even i don't know whether i'm joking or not really but i think if if there was an ai that stood for president and it was like provably like fair not corrupt and it was provably like non-corruptible you couldn't hack into it and it embodied all of the sort of like a shared um, values of, of humanity that we maybe that we vote on um, or something like that and it was able to make all the decisions uh, you know with with much better knowledge than us um, I would vote for I would vote for that you know or like I feel like it's almost already happened happening because the president of the United States whatever if he gets in if he goes like if he tries to go anywhere, he's going to use his Google to do like the wayfinding. So he's already using AI to make decisions. And then, you know, the governments and think tanks are, are, use data science, which uses AI to like analyze data and come up with decisions. So it's not a huge step to go from, from that. Like, I mean, this is a big point that Yuval Harari is making in uh, Homo Deus. Um, but it's not a huge step to go from where you know humans are at the helm being guided and consulting with ai to just ai's at the helm and then you know we'll probably be better off for it uh, i mean anything's better than <laughs> the current situation i, I think i agree but I, I just see a comment just pop up which actually says uh but you need personal interaction surely just looking at that on the um, on the live comments uh do you think yeah, it's the human touch not needed because um, a computer yeah, no. that would be cold, cold and just calculated and you don't always need practicality and that for everything. Well, I mean, yeah, certainly in a leader, it's nice to have them come and get pictured having a pint at the pub and having a person personality behind it. But, you know, I feel like 
that's only important because politics is so crap that we like to sort of at least be like, oh, well, at least he's a nice guy, <laughs> you know, whereas if politics was great and AI just did all the work for us, then we'd get our humanity from elsewhere, from like our, you know, sports group or like whatever. And and with the teaching thing, yeah, it's quite scary to think that your children are being taught by like some AI. But I mean, um, the AI is going to be really efficient at teaching your kids. So maybe you could just put them in education for one day and then that would be just as good as having them in a class of 25 students for seven days and then for the rest of the days have them spending a lot more time with humans doing i don't know other things you know so that are more like human and maybe emotional or i don't know yeah and then the other thing is who's to say that an ai isn't uh can't can't have value as a person as well i mean that is it is going to be might be not human interaction but might be something even more special i don't know who knows real emotion <laughs> i mean i don't think i'm particularly qualified to <laughs> talk yeah. about this stuff anyway so <laughs> take it or leave it <laughs> yeah i've got another question actually um i just put to you from um uh, from someone who says uh, uh, with VR, is it or could it be used for people with sensor, uh, sensory issues or disabilities from, say, brain injuries, etc.? Yes, and it's yes, it's being used for those things. Um, things like rehabilitation, um, people who have had uh, brain or spinal in injuries and or have lost the use of different things or forgotten how to do certain things. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the big problems in the, those areas is that you give people um, like tasks to do to, to train themselves up to get better. And then invariably people go, oh, yeah, I'll do it every day. And then they don't do it. And so like with VR, it, it really helps because it's, a, it's spatial. So you can create the task in VR and make it much more engaging and varied. Um, people are more likely to do it. And then crucially, you can also um, you actually have like feedback on and it's connected to the internet so the doctor can see whether the patient's been doing the exercises or not and you know tick them off if they're not doing it properly um so yeah lots of stuff like that P people are using it for um hypnotherapy for um overcoming fears for putting bullies in the in the um giving bullies the perspective of the person that's being bullied and get, giving them a different perspective on how it might feel and that, that kind of thing, dealing with social issues, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. What's that? Sorry, Ash? How does that, um, how does that work? What? Yeah, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, you know, to be fair, I only just saw something on the BBC about it or something, but I think the idea is that um, bullies are often, you know, the problem is if they if they empathized properly with the, the person they were bullying um then it might give them a different perspective and like, if they know what it's, it feels like i don't know that's a theory i don't know if that actually works or not but apparently it seems to work it seems to be people uh using it for that that purpose well, yeah it's just I've, I've got a fear of, of it i guess if i'm honest the biggest thing for me that scared of when it comes down to VR is having everybody become like 
addicted to. I mean, you see how people are with video games. I, I, I've got friends that um, I remember as, as a teenager, certain friends, once they got into um, like the Xbox came out and we would play, we'd have these Xbox like LAN parties to begin with. We'd do split screen, then we'd have LAN parties. But then when Xbox Live came out, a lot of them just stopped coming out. You wouldn't see them anymore because they were just playing that all the time. You know, everyone, everyone knows somebody that uh, doesn't leave the house because they just stay and play video games all day. So I have this, that the fear for me is that when you get such good VR, um, especially if there's like really interactive games with AI and you know, like you're in another world where you can be, you, know, you pop on this headset and you are a warrior and you are the, you know, if you don't feel good about yourself not in real life, then you put this on, why would you want to leave? And then I could see it becoming this kind of dystopian future where everyone's just plugged in like the Matrix and they've got, uh, you know, just like a drip. And, and yeah, I can't wait. That's exactly the future I want. <laughs> I like the brain in a vat would be great. I mean, you know, it's often said you're already a brain in a vat. Your vat is your skull and your your um, virtual environment is just physical reality. Um, and so the problem with that is that it's just, you know, it's just there. It was just like the universe just kind of came into existence and then it's just there. Um, so um so you know you don't really have any, a choice with it whereas with vr it could be like engineered by some superior ai which um can engineer it in a in a way that's better for whatever purpose that you might want and that's where this question of what do you want to want really comes in because you know you look at you gave the video game example and most video games <clears throat> that are popular involve violence shooting people going around like killing everything and that i mean it appeals to like the just the base instinct that's like not necessarily a good one people don't really think about it and the game studios just make these games um to appeal to that base instinct because that's what people are likely to just buy without thinking whether it's good for them or not and obviously with VR, now we've got shooting and zombie games and everything as well. Um, so, and with, you know, with AI coming, obviously we could create the most terrifying VR experience in the world and it would be like super scary and it might get rated really highly, but is that really what we want? And I think those things, those futures are scary. The idea that every game is a shooting game is scary, but the, the fact that there are other games which are more wonderful, more like, you know, things like Mario, you know, where you're like running around and you've got Yoshi and jumping around saving the princess. The fact that there's games like that, maybe we can live in a future Mario world or something, you know. Like, I think maybe I'm, I'm <laughs> cynic, but I, you know, I think gratuitous violence sells more. And I'm not sure whether, like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know the statistics behind games, but um, I imagine um things like call of duty and uh various violent shooting games are probably uh, in my eyes i'm sure the most popular yeah they're they're so popular aren't they they're so popular and, and how how would you change that because if you if you're designing these, these virtual worlds and it's still i'm guessing at the moment it's going to be game design uh, game design companies which are which are paying for it um because they're going to sell it Mm -hmm. Surely they're going to go for whatever sells the most, and where, however they can 
However, they can sell upgraded weapons and games. So do not think the actual the human behind it can steer it in a negative way. And that's most likely how it will end up. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, um, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it's terrifying, I think. It, it, it's it's not good that we go down this route. Um, I mean, people have been saying that ever since the invention of books. You know, you got like dark books, and then people are like, oh, don't have dark books. It'll give people dark thoughts. And then, sure enough, they make dark books. And then, okay, people have dark thoughts. But then, I don't know. It's not. We don't go back and go. Oh, I'm. I'm I wish books were never invented. Um, it's the same with all media technology, you know, I think that there's always a resistance to it. Um, probably there was resistance to like the telephone, and the radio, and certainly TV, and the internet. And I mean, the internet, you know, brings out the worst in people. And um, you got all sorts of horrible stuff on the internet. But we, we're glad the internet exists, right? And we wouldn't want to go back to when it didn't exist. Um, so I think the same goes for future media technologies and new media technologies such as virtual reality um yeah yeah you're right there's some pretty annoying things like shooting games and everything but um i think we will get to a stage where um we'll get over the initial hump and then we'll be glad those things will still exist but we'll be glad that um that it exists and, and i think the other point is that the yeah, you mentioned that the studios do whatever makes the most money and violence sells and stuff. Um, that's true. But, you know, if we live in a post-money, post-scarcity world where people aren't just out to, to like, maximise money, um, then maybe they'll try and maximising other things like, I don't know, goodness and uh, beauty and um, wholesomeness and, um, you know, self-control. <laughs> and uh, like peace and, and joy and those kinds of ex human ex characteristics and experiences, which are more characteristic of, um, you know, like deep spiritual experiences that people can have. That would be, well, yeah, that would be ideal. Do, do, you, do you feel um, that you're kind of uh, alone on, 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 on that when you speak to like other developers on or uh, is that the general sentiment um, people wanting? Um, do, you, do you think, like, if you were to speak to 20 other VR developers, um, most of them believe in building wholesome experiences? And, um, it depends what circle. I mean, the circles I, I'm in, you know, I go to like indie game meetups and game jams and stuff. So you get people, a lot of them students, they're really interested in making uh one thing i love other people do that I, I don't really engage with so much which is storytelling i love storytelling and um yeah. i'm just really crap at it but um but you know doing really like hot like things that create a real strong emotional response um from from a story in a vr in an interactive experience or or what have you um, those can be really beautiful. So that's one thing. And then I'm also like talk to people in the sort of transformative tech and um, consciousness hacking communities. And they're all about like 
you know, creating positive experiences, like not looking at your phone every five seconds, um, doing meditation apps with VR or hypnosis for therapy or, um, you know, all these kinds of things. So you get, those are the people I talk to. But then your average VR developer is probably someone who works for, I don't know, a games company. They don't really have much say over what they produce. <laughs> don't know. Um, another comment that just came up was um, that this actually quite this kind of clashes in an interesting way with um, how the guest last week um, about the, the addiction to technology um, and yeah, VR creating that addiction. Um, do you think it is unhealthy to be addicted to technology? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'm. I just picked up. Um, you know, Russell Brand's book, uh, what's it called? I've got it up there. Uh, Recovery, Freedom oh, yeah. from Your Addictions, yeah. So it's it's quite interesting, you know. I mean, I'm I'm far from, <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not the, the person I wish I, I was in many ways. I think that we've all got these addictions, and especially addictions to phone, um, you know, like, destructive stuff in our lives. And um, yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. Um, maybe life was simpler before the smartphone. Um, I, I don't really know the solution to that. Carl Smith, uh, you were interviewing last time, weren't you, right? So he thinks a lot about those problems and how we can resolve those problems. Um, yeah, they're, they're big questions. Um, the question is how to how to do things in a way which is healthy and towards fulfilling your full potential as a creative spiritual individual rather than taking you in deeper into depravity vice addiction and escapism those kinds of things you know how do we how do we do it i think a lot of it comes down to the individual and um yeah, maybe Russell Brown's book has got some art. I've only just started it, though, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I think, as with all things, technologies aren't inherently evil. It's just that humans tend to make mistakes, and we can make bigger mistakes when we've got, you know, a bigger power to tweet to the entire world or to... Um, watch extremely immersive hedonism or something. So we've just got to be more vigilant. Um, and we need, yeah, I mean, how do we do that? I don't know. But we're, we're moving in so many good directions as well as our capabilities to go into bad directions with technology. I think society as a whole is going in the right direction. So even if you look like 100 years ago, there was no mobile phone, there was no telephone there was no distraction and so and maybe people like you know didn't do so many bad things or whatever when it comes to the things we associate now with like things that cause us stress but were they an advanced uh, enlightened uh, civilization well no i mean they had less ways to get their information they'd read the newspaper and so everyone just thought the same things now we've got like much more personal expression on the internet
So it's double-edged sword, isn't it? All, all, all the time. I think um, a big, big concern that a lot of people have is once you open up Pandora's box, you know, once you let the cat out of the bag, you're not using it. You can't bring it back. You know, with like you said, smartphones. Okay, you can't just ban smartphones now. You know, even if there's all these terrible things, it's they're out, they're released, and we're only going to release more technology, and it's only going to progress more. So I think a lot of people worry that we release these, we come up with these, you know, uh, monkey tails that we can wear, or we come up with these different modifications to um, and, and technological advantage before really actually considering the implications of them, and we just release them first, and then realize, deal with the fallout later. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really like wherever is it happening. It might not be good, but it's certainly interesting, isn't it? Like with technology, um, I, I've I always like to say uh, it's not really true, but I think you know, like I think it was a question on like OK Cupid or something ten years ago, which is a dating website where they ask get you to answer loads of questions, um, and one of them was like, "What would you prefer? Interesting things happen." good things happen choose one you know and I, <laughs> I think I wrote interesting things but obviously you know like I'd like good things to happen that's surely got to be the priority but good things without being interesting is I don't know if I that's a, something I really want you know peace and joy without creative expression is um not something I want I think I just I, I think that the the human potential is being enhanced right now and that is um, also important as well as um, being relaxed and happy and all that kind of stuff um, you know if, if you look at like the history of the universe and like then there's human evolution and it's all accelerating and then now we've got all this change happening in single lifetimes and of course it's going to be like disruptive it's going to it's going to mess us up in some ways it's going to like change our mental ecosystem of aspects of ourselves which in in the past have been in a beautiful equilibrium just like the you know the world's ecosystems being unbalanced so is the ecosystem of our mind and i think that <clears throat> I mean, when all the dust settles i'm really <laughs> i'm really i hope i'm alive to see what what comes out of it um you know out of the last uh great extinction event came humans so you know maybe the next uh the extinction event of the ecosystem of the mind out of the ashes will come something extraordinary i hope so <laughs> I don't know. I mean, AI is moving really quickly, but it's moving quickly in in some ways, but it's not like there are some critical things which are still left unanswered. So um, it's really uncertain. I think I'm, uh, you know, I'd like it to happen, but I don't know. I'm not particularly concerned, actually, if it doesn't happen, um, because just A, I think, the knowledge that it will happen at some point is enough for me. I think it's fantastic. And B, um, you know, whatever that superhuman, transhuman 
AI integrated intelligence is, it sure as hell won't be concerned with, um, you know, the ego and individual identity as a human and like, but at the same time, I believe that, you know, that part of your, that is the true nature of your consciousness. So, you know, if you, if you die, Ash, okay, you, your personality and your memories die, but what it is to be, be a being um, in this universe is something that uh, isn't born and isn't, doesn't die. So I think you don't need to worry. That's my cat. Sorry. <laughs> So, um, what what projects are you uh, working on to, with, with VR at the moment? What have you got in the pipeline? If, if you can tell, if you're allowed to uh, say. I'm not sure if it's a secret uh, developing of the human consciousness machine. Well, no. I, I mean, it's it's much simpler than that. I was actually thinking to uh, show a video, or showcase a video on on your podcast, but I think I'm going to keep it under wraps a bit. But I will just I can describe a bit. So. I mean, one thing that with VR, for any budding VR enthusiasts out there, um, like one thing I get annoyed with is people create, I mean, we've covered shooting games and why they're bad for, for in, in another part of the conversation. But one of the things I don't like about them in VR is just, I think it's a really bad use of VR because you're, the wonderful thing about VR is that you've got six degrees of freedom. You've got like, movement in x y and z directions and then you've got rotation roll pitch and yaw and you can manipulate that very finely with two hands in your head and do really clever puzzle things within this space that your arms can reach right and that's really exciting for me that opens up all these possibilities but when you do a shooting game you reduce all those degrees of freedoms of interactivity into just x and y you're just shooting like something over there and it's like duck hunt you know that was invented a long time ago we don't need to uh, resort to to those kind of game mechanics in vr and the other thing we've we've learned from lots of vr research is that um moving around in vr makes people feel really sick and it's really unnerving and not very nice thing to do like if you accelerate or move someone in vr they get like this sort of horrible sense of motion sickness and sort of nausea that makes you want to just stop playing um and then so people get around this by like teleporting you places but then it's really weird to like teleport your way around a place it doesn't really feel like you're immersed in exploring a place it just makes you feel like you've been having a pc game tacked into a vr experience so um so i try and get away from that my philosophy is to use that space in front of you and if you need anything it's VR. You can bring it to the player. You can bring it to the user. You don't have to make the player go somewhere. That's a limitation of the real world that we try to get rid of by inventing cars and planes and things because we don't like to have to go to places to get stuff that we want or interact with things we want. So in VR, you don't you don't need to 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 emulate that weird, horrible aspect of the the real world. You can just bring everything to the user. Um, and so yeah. I'm really interested in games like, um, like rhythm action games, like Dance Dance Revolution, and um, those kind, and uh, Beat Saber, and like those kind of games. So, um, my current game is like uses 
uh, rhythm and space to so you have to take sort of things through sort of puzzles and mazes in, in 3d space in time to with a rhythm and um, there's a lot that can be done in that area and then the visual style is kind of like I really like well psychedelia in general is what I take a lot of inspiration from in my artwork so I'm it's a really like um, I, I'm, I like the idea of iridescence in VR. It's always been something I'm interested in, interested in doing in VR. But so I've been learning how to do that. So creating really weird, uh, like stuff with iridescent things. Um, you have, have you got anything you could show about this kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Can you see my screen now? Can you see that? So this is just like, I don't know, messing around with some some shaders to do iridescence. You create like a, you look at like, you do the dot product of the normal with respect to the camera direction on the mesh. And then you, um, so you be in VR. So you're in this, this, this is like a prototype design of a character in the in the VR experience that's going to talk to you. The storyline is like you're sort of at the beginning of the universe, and you've got this iridescent goddess thing that talks to you, and um, you're wants you to help her to invent the laws of physics for the universe to grow or whatever. And then you kind of are figuring out the topology of of it by solving these puzzles. Um, sort of like there's a game called Katamari Damacy, which is has this similar sort of psychedelic god that tells you to do stuff. It's really interesting. So that's and part of the inspiration. Uh, like the puzzles, um, what you do, like what, when you say solving the puzzle, you just set up moving things through. What, 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 do you, what do you mean by that? So you would be stood in a room, and so would you have to like grab something that's not there and pull it around, and put you know put a basketball in a hoop, for example. Yeah, so, well, it's like, um, there's a game called Kuru Kuru Kurin um, on the Game Boy Advance where you have this long spinny thing and um, you have to bring it through a maze. And because the thing's spinning at a certain speed, you know, you have to time it right. And if you touch the edges, you you, you die. But obviously, on the, on the Game Boy, it's just in 2D and you're using a D-pad, which is, like, really limited. But in VR, you can do, like, obviously in six degrees of freedom around you and take this thing, spinny thing, through space. Um, and so I create this sort of trippy maze that sort of changes shape as you go through it. And it's a bit like liquid and it's all iridescent and kind of interesting and it creates like helixes if you take it in sort of the z direction you pull it you know this these two spinning things coming creates this sort of like dna structure and you have to guide it through this thing so i'm really excited about it it's just a personal project but i'm i've started hiring some people to do the music and create the um do the animation and the character design and the um like I don't know tech, the um, what you call it like typography for and marketing materials. So I'm going to try and pitch it to like um, Oculus or something to try and get it on the Oculus Quest. It's what I'm aiming for, but I don't know how far I'll get. We'll see. It's um, like a long term type. I've got no idea how long game development takes. Is this something that takes years and this is a sort of six-month full-time project, I think, in terms of timing. So not too long, but you know, 
yeah, it would be my first like proper VR game that's properly published. I've done quite a few other ones like messing around with like juggling, juggling games, juggling in VR. So people can check those out uh, on my website if you're interested in in VR and juggling. Something we <laughs> we didn't get around to. What's that? website is it uh, benjamin yeah exactly com. so yeah it's got information of all my projects on there like vr and other projects as well done a lot of like um liquid crystal photography um did sort of music video from max cooper that was really cool with some uh, video footage of liquid crystals and tra phase transitions of liquid crystals into other liquid crystals and into liquids and into solids and crystals and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, yeah, and then anything I update on my current project, I will be through my website and through my YouTube channel. Um, you can have a look at that and keep on that. You're on, you're on social media. Like now, you've got um, all, the, all the social icons at the bottom, so people can follow you and check out your stuff. So you've got fiction, um, uh, uh, blog as well. Cool. So, you quite active in all of this. What's that? You're quite active with like the with your blog posting. And, um, um. Yeah, relatively. Uh, I mean, I'm, it's, I'm not like, uh, I don't have a podcast like you or something like that, but, um, you know, uh, I can dream. The, 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 the blog's mainly just to announce things and put bits of code and stuff and solutions that I found for programming VR and different things uh, that I think people might find helpful. And there's like, yeah, some short fiction stories I've written that sort of in the transhuman futurology type sci-fi genre i guess and then the project pages have links to videos and of various different projects um yeah i mean there's a lot to look at there so you can have a explore and i'm always looking for new ideas and co collaborators so if anyone out there is interested um in working with some of the code or like working on something together or um pro uh, like proposing a project be very interested, especially if it's really trippy and exciting and not a shooting game. I'll uh, make sure I put up on the, um, on the podcast page and send the link. And um, yeah, so definitely get in contact, get in contact with you. Um, I imagine there's going to be, I've, I've seen some viewers already, there's definitely some people who uh, I know. Uh, or a little bit, you know, into their, their trippy kind of things and probably have some pretty creative, trippy ideas. <laughs> <laughs> no idea is too trippy. Oh, okay. Well, um, we, I've just been, um, we've just been over an hour, by the way, so um, I'm not sure. I haven't checked the questions. If anyone else listening, there is a delay, so by the time they hear this, um, might be too late, but if there's anybody uh, got any questions quickly now, um, feel free to ask them um, on the comments, please. We just, uh, just refresh the page, check. Please type quickly. So, 
So Ash, what's your um, what's your plan for this podcast then? Is this something you're quite you're gonna you're gonna go? Um, yeah, you're just gonna keep keep going with it. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go um, weekly uh, every Wednesday for now. Uh, yeah, the same time. Uh, as soon as lockdown is over, um, we're gonna start having guests here into my office and set up studio. Um, and when I'm in a new place, um, I'm moving soon. That's awesome. Uh, I'm going to have a nice little podcast studio set up so people can come and chill. So right now, I'm in my office. You can't really, uh, you know, it'd be nice to have someone sat here and got a, a whiskey or, you know, someone. Oh, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, or a spliff because you're in uh, Amsterdam. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> got, got some pretty uh, pretty exciting guests. Um, like, I'm already super happy with having you on and having Carl on. Uh, next week, I'm very, very happy as well. We've got a, a guy who is a author and a psychologist um, who um, works with, uh, so like, uh, works with, I guess, CEOs and uh, people uh, to kind of coach them. Um, so we're going to try and do something about you know, positive thinking during the lockdown, that kind of thing. Um, got some musicians, uh, comedians, uh, more techie, sciencey people, uh, yeah, trying to just get uh, people from from all kind of spectrums. So uh, if anyone's listening and you have something that you feel you can bring to the podcast, obviously feel free, you can, you can email us. Uh, it's uh, shiftyperspective at gmail.com. So yeah, that's, that's, that's where it's going. And hopefully, hopefully we can start growing yeah, you're, I, I hope you can come back on once the lockdown's over. Come out for a trip to the Netherlands. I think I've just like I don't know baffed up all my ideas now, so I don't know if I've got enough in me for a second one. Well, the game will be done, and uh, we can actually uh, play it. Yeah, we can play it on, on the Oculus. <laughs> That's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, maybe if I can come over there with my Oculus, I'll I can demo it for you. That'd be amazing. Oh, I've just got another question just come in. Um, it says, uh, what is your vision for in VR marketing, commercials, etc., and how long before we see this? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't know. Well, Facebook owns Oculus, which is a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? Um, oh. Presumably so that they can pump marketing materials into your virtual reality experiences. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not quite so bothered about marketing, um, actually, because, you know, as someone who has tried to market things myself with Facebook, it's really handy to be able to, like, get to the audience that you think is going to have the most value from your products. Um, and I'm always pleased if I actually do see an ad that I like and I click on it and then I buy something because... Um, it's probably because it's updating me on some game or technology that it knows that I like and I really want to know about it. And then I end up being, you know, reminded that my favorite artist has released an album or something like that. And I'm, it's quite, I'm quite happy about that. So um, obviously uh, that's a minority opinion. I think most people are quite upset about advertising. <laughs> so, so yeah, but yeah, you know, good point. VR is going to be uh yeah, adverts everywhere, I guess. 
have to get like a VR ad blocker. Maybe that's we can start working on that together. That the, the ad blocker, VR ad blocker. Exactly, and I guess you could just advertise it to everyone because those who've got an ad blocker won't see it, and you don't care if they don't see it. It's like the perfect crime. Woo. <laughs> How do you advertise your podcast? Um, at the moment, I am just advertising it through um, our Instagram page and through uh, Facebook. So uh, hopefully anyone listening, um, please invite your friends to the Facebook page. Um, it's facebook.com slash Shifty Perspective. You can just uh, hit invite all to your friends and spam them with a little invite that if they ignore, um, you can do nothing about. So it won't actually affect anyone negatively apart from me if you don't do it. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, the thing is with advertising is like, it's really, it's really useful. It's really important to get the message out there for things that, you know, and uh, yeah, obviously it's married to money, which is a problem, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, I d yeah. Well, I'm gonna, um, I think it is now being, just looking at the, we are still going strong at an hour and 10 minutes. And, oh, I've got another question just come in. Great, this is brilliant. Um, uh, <laughs> other platforms like Steam for your games. Did you mention Steam earlier? What was the question, sorry? Was that, do you use other platforms like Steam for your games? Um, yeah, yeah. So Crystal Vibes is on Steam, so you can go and have download that. Um, <clears throat> I've also put some smaller things, which are kind of just ex prototypes that uh, are limited in their fun. You have to be sort of specifically interested in what they're what they're doing to find them interesting, probably. But they're just released on like SideQuest, which is um, <clears throat> a free. It looks a bit like Steam or the Oculus Store or something like that, but it's for the Oculus Quest, um, and you can sideload stuff onto Oculus Quest for free. So that's really cool because you can. Loads of people have done cool experiments with like hand tracking. So I've got like a hand tracking sound visualizer where confetti comes out of your fingers and it's in, it's um, coloured like the music. Uh, you can do that, and then the juggling ones on the. I think you can also. Do, there's one on just my website that one of the jumping games so yeah different platforms i think if if i make this game it depends on um what a publisher is interested in it i guess as to where it will be published but ideally everywhere you know aiming for the oculus quest but equally on steam as well um I think that is uh, all of the questions we have got through, which I'm pretty, pretty happy with that. Thank you so much, everyone who has been asking uh, questions. Um, I've just seen some uh, messages saying that the audio has been unclear for me. I'm not sure what's going on. For some reason, my microphone here is switching between the good microphone and the shitty laptop microphone. So I'm really sorry if uh, my microphone has been glitching out a bit. Um, let me just see. Yeah, we're going to upload this anyway afterwards to YouTube. 
So, uh, and so all the other podcast platforms. Um, is there anything else you want to say before, uh, before we call it a night? Uh, no, not really. I, I think it's just a really uh, wonderful to be able to have a really nice conversation with you, Ash. And yeah, man. I, I wish, pleasure. I feel like I'd love to do the podcast the other way uh, at some point to like, let give you a chance to speak because you've you've done so many exciting things you know from talking to you last time in Amsterdam um so you should be a guest on your own show at some point I reckon <laughs> <laughs> can you, okay, can you do uh, that can you be host and <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah no thanks for having me on it's great and uh thanks to everyone listening thank you very much cheers I will um if you want to uh, hang up from the uh zoom I will just uh finish up and end this with everybody else. all right no worries. No Thanks, worries. Guys. Thanks, guys. Okay. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we have been, I have been Shifted Perspective, and um, this was Ben Jamin Outram. Uh, he's a PhD and very, very interesting guy. So please, please check out his website. Uh, we will post all of the details of this in the description. Um, Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, I'm about to upload this onto YouTube afterwards. And um, invite your friends to the page Shifty Perspective. We will be having weekly podcasts uh, with all different guests. So if you have any guest suggestions, do not hesitate to email, uh, whether it's musicians, um, authors, scientists, um, business people, Anyone who you think might give an interesting perspective into an interesting topic, I'm all ears and I hope to yeah, have my perspective changed and hope you guys enjoyed this too. Thank you so much and yeah, see you soon. Stay shifty.